0: 24, yes, 24th chapter. We'll be thinking of the car because the gentleman in this portion of scripture is Eliezer, Eliezer. And so here we go. The theme I have for you this morning, and I, I know it's going to be a blessing to your heart, In Search of a Bride. In Search of a Bride. Josue, you have no idea how perfect your hymn moves in with this portion of scripture. We didn't get together. I never tell the people what to choose to sing. I never tell them what. uh, Very rarely. And I I say that because it's the Holy Spirit that really does oversee. And he knows what the program is. In, In Search of a Bride. We'll be talking about Rebecca. we'll be talking about Isaac. But way back somewhere in the back of your mind, if you can keep it in mind, we'll be talking about uh, Christ and the church, okay? But the, the whole scenario is, is taking place uh, in, in the old age of Abraham. We've learned such beautiful lessons from Abraham in these last six weeks. A man of God, a man of faith, a man that believed, And now it says that Abraham is old old and well advanced in years, and the Lord has blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to the eldest of his servants, uh, uh, the one who ruled over all that he had, I beg of you, put your hand under my thigh. When you look that up in Scripture, especially in the 15th chapter of Genesis, And you go to the second verse, and it says, uh, and Abraham said to the Lord God, what can you give me since I am going childless? And he who shall be my owner and heir of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, I don't have a child, I only have a steward. The one that runs my whole household is just a steward. He's not my son. And if I die, he gets it all. I don't have a son. So I want you to look at Eliezer. And when you look at Eliezer, I want you to think of a word, a very clear word, an obedient servant. Obedient. That's the word. It's a key word. Eliezer of Damascus is the head of Abraham's household. He's the man that knows how many cows there are. He's the man that knows how many camels there are. He's the man that knows how much flock there is. He's the man that knows everything about the household. But he's also a man with tremendous love and feeling and conscience for his master. And it's so beautiful. He heads the household of, uh, of Abraham. And uh, he's at his master's beckon will. I'm going to tell you something about obedience that you may not agree with me, but we don't have any problems with that. Because we're not all supposed to agree. And not only that, there are truths that mature on us. There are truths that are in process in our lives. And by that I mean that they haven't come to their fruition. It hasn't come to its maximum. So we're in the process of accepting. We haven't arrived yet, so that's why somebody will say something say, Oh, I don't think it's that way. That's okay. Pastors get very upset when somebody doesn't see the things the way they see them. No, hey, it's taken me 47 years to be able to see 60-60. I'm still pitching for 50-50. And I'm still moving toward 40-40. Do you hear what I mean? It takes time. That's why we can't get upset. We can't get upset. Some people want everybody to say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Obedience doesn't mean you're a yes man. Obedience simply means that you know who your master is and you submit. That's all it is. That's all it is. And it's so important. It's so important because submission and obedience is one of the most important parts of living. You don't go into an office and tell your boss what to do. And if you do, he's a yo-yo. And you choose to work for a yo-yo, ¿por qué you know, stay. It's, uh, there's no problems with that. But the truth of the matter is, wherever you go, you go to submit. You go to yield. You go to surrender. And that's the way it has to be. When, I'm, when I say that, I'm not talking about immoralities. I'm not talking about lies. I'm not talking... No, no, no. I'm talking about just the consciousness of knowing that this is the person in charge. That's it. If there comes a moment that there is a difference that affects your faith, well, move on. Move on. There's, there's no problems with that. When I say affects your faith, I'm talking about somebody telling you to steal, and you know that God, that's not God's will. Well, you just don't do it. You say, oh, it's not that easy. No, I know it's not that easy. But what I'm simply trying to draw a line somewhere, Okay. So when we read this scripture, we find this is Eliezer. He's the head of Abraham's household. He's a good steward. He's an obedient servant. And in the ninth verse, it says, So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. It was a form of swearing. It was a form of admitting. It was a form of saying yes. And that's the way he did it. Abraham asked him to do it. When he heard what Abraham wanted, then he swore that he would be obedient. And that is one of the walks we have with God. One of the walks we have with God, we have got to be obedient. God demands obedience. There is no one that can walk with God. There is no one that can talk with God. There is no one that can call God their friend lest they obey him. And that's the way it is. There is is no other way. We must obey him. Now let me talk about obedience. Obedience is not submitting to somebody's cockeyed way of thinking. It's not submitting uh, to somebody's uh, uh, preconceived ideas and notions. It's not, con- it's not conceding uh, to traditions and it's not conceding to legalism. When we're obedient, we're obedient to God through the knowledge of His Word. And like I shared with you so many times, There are things with God that are across the board. You can't change those. You can't change the Ten Commandments. You can't modify the Ten Commandments. You have to accept them as they are. And Jesus goes into an explanation of the Ten Commandments in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that is once again across the board. His interpretation of what God wants from us. But then again, it comes many times that, Learning to obey God has to do with our surrender. It has to do with, you know, uh, as we grow in Him. Always remember that you've got three strikes against you just at the beginning. It's the world, it's the flesh, and it's the devil. A world that will not submit to God. A flesh that's been touched with sin. And believe it or not, enjoys it. Really. Really. Sin is very pleasant to the flesh. Sin is very enticing to the flesh. When a young man is making out, he's not standing there saying, Oh, I'm suffering. This is so painful. When he's winking his eyes, he's not going, Oh, this is terrible. No, that that doesn't happen that way. When the little girl walks by with the clicking of her heels, uh, and the moving of her hips, uh, and the waddling of her eyes, Let me tell you something. There's no pain in it. It's a very natural exercise. Okay? So when we think of the flesh, we've got to think of that part of life, which is our anatomy, which we've got to deal with in a very realistic way. You say, Sister Amy, but you people get so closed up. No, we don't get closed up. We don't. Life is life. I've said to you a dozen times in eight years that I wouldn't want to be married to a woman who, uh, no, 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 that's okay. it, It came out all right. I don't want to be married to a woman. That came out all right, no problems, no problems. I wouldn't want to be married to a man who couldn't appreciate a beautiful woman. I wouldn't want to be. The only thing is that I want him to look and then look away Do you hear me? And never touch. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And if you hear somebody preaching, Oh! Los ojos! The eyes are, Come on. Either that or get some kind of band-aids over your eyes because there's no way you're going to make it in life. You see, the control of this starts up here but it's sealed in here you see, it's sealed in here it's truth that has ventured your mind and you know where your welfare is at and no matter how much the body tingles to go its own way the mind says, thus saith the word and the heart says, that's the way I go do you understand what I mean? It's a process let the process take place and that's God. Now let's, let's go on to see about Eliezer and his special mission. His mission is, and listen to this, uh, but you shall go to my country, we're talking about Abraham, you shall go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant says to him, but perhaps the woman will not be willing to come along after me to this country. Must I take your son to the, co- must I take your son to the country from which you came? In other words, you're telling me to go and get him a wife. But suppose the wife I go get doesn't want to come with me; I'm in trouble. Isn't it going to be better that I take you, son? Wouldn't wouldn't we? Wouldn't it be? (coughs) Wouldn't we have an easier time? I, I love this because it's human mentality in its perfect focus you understand what I mean sometimes when we think things out and we've got a good brain there's nothing wrong with that he says now wait a minute you're sending me to get a woman that ain't so easy I can imagine all the things that went through Eliezer's mind he says I'm an old man un viejo feo you know what I mean I'm an old man I'm I'm coming to get a woman I, I mean hey wait a minute this isn't an easy task why don't why don't I go with Isaac? Why don't I go? Why doesn't he come with me? Let's make this easy. OK? And Abraham said to him, "See to it that you do not take my son back there." Wow. Now now comes the directive. You know what I mean? You've got an order. This is the directive: Don't take my son back there. See to it. Of all the orders I've ever given to you, see to it that you don't take my son back there. And you say, but que pasa? If he wants to get a bride from over there, why can't he go over there? And then this is Abraham. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house, from the land of my family and of my birth, who spoke to me and who swore to me, saying, to your offerings I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife from there. My son. And the woman, if she w- and if the woman should not be willing to go along with you, then you will clear you will be clear from this oath. Only you must not take my son back. Hmm. Let me listen and let me let me talk to you for a minute. The first word that described Eliezer is obedience. The word I want you to look at in this story right now is no compromise. And I call no compromise a leader's decision. And when I say a leader's decision, I mean you. Because you are the leader of your heart and your life. You're the leader. Okay? There are leaders over companies. There are leaders over administrations. There are leaders over schools. There are leaders over everything. But when it comes to your life, you are the leader over your life. Okay? No one else is going to call the shots. You must call them. No compromise is a leadership decision and leadership decisions sometimes has to be no turning back. When it came to Abraham and his son, he knew God had given them the land. He knew God had chosen him. He knew that's the way, the place they should be. And so he's saying, Eliezer, you go get the girl, get the woman from my family because we're talking about genealogy, we're talking about family line, we're talking about the promise of God that now runs through the book of Genesis go to my family, get him a wife, and come back, but my son won't go with you. I will not let him go back there. Why? Because with God, there are no alternatives. We shared a beautiful uh, couple's retreat a year ago or more. And in that couple's retreat, the second message that was preached was no alternatives. Now, when we talk about no alternatives, we're simply talking about something very important. Abraham confirmed in this God's plan for his life. And then he opens up and he says, to the, he says, The Lord of heaven, who took me from my father's house, spoke to me and swore to me, saying, Your offspring will be given this land, and he will send his angel before you, and you will take a wife from there for my son. In other words, what he's telling Eliezer is, My son is not going back. That's not a place for my son. But I will get his wife from there. And what what is God? God has already told me that's the way it's gonna work out. Can you imagine? I can see Eliezer scratching his head. He says it's okay, God told you. What about me? You're not going. I'm going. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is there is a situation. But you know something that you learned? You learn as the leader of your soul, you learn who is a real leader. And Eliezer saw in Abraham. A man of decision. More than that. He saw a man that believed God. He saw a man that believed God. And when you follow someone that believes God, no matter how shaky your faith is, no matter how stumbling your walk is, you keep your eyes simply focused because that person is heard from God. And this is what Eliezer said. Eliezer says, all right. And it's, it's so interesting because Eliezer then has a plan because he's no yo-yo. Eliezer is a man of quite a bit of understanding. Verse 12, and he took to, well, that's verse 11. You'll see what happens. And he made his camels to kneel down outside the city by a well. And this, he's already traveled. He's already gone past Mesopotamia. He's between the Tigris and the Ephratus River. He's near the city of Nabor. I mean, he's traveled all this distance. And he made his camels to kneel down outside the city by a well of water. At that time of the evening, when women go out to draw water. And then he said, I want you to notice his plan, numero uno, prayer. Numero uno, prayer. Why? Because nothing is accomplished without prayer. We have got to pray, folks. We've got to learn to be people of prayer. There's no plan that will work without prayer. There's no plan that works without prayer. Prayer is the most important action in life. Jesus said it. What did Jesus say? Jesus says, prayer will be to you like a check written out by me and signed by me and given to you. That's how prayer works. That's how prayer works. Prayer is a blank check with a signature on it. You can get anything you want from God. It's unbelievable. And so the plan begins with prayer. Nothing's accomplished without it. Then he goes into a few details, and I love this. He says, and then he prayed, Oh, Lord, my God. Oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham. Isn't that beautiful? God, Lord of my master Abraham, I pray you, cause me to meet with good success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. Isn't it beautiful? He puts Abraham in front of him all the time. I'm not even going to deal with God because he doesn't even know who I am. We don't have that kind of a relationship. But look, I'm here in Abraham's name. I'm, I'm, I'm here because my master sent me. Now, you be good to Abraham, my master. You see, that's what Jesus taught us. Jesus says, you'll come to the Father, but you'll come in my name. And whatever you want, you ask in my name. And my father, when he sees you, he will love you because you love me and because you come in my name. So as you dwell in me and I dwell in the father, then we will dwell together. So you've got it made. Oh, it's so beautiful. This is his prayer. This is his plan. And now listen to this. He goes into detail with God. See, I stand here by the well of the water. He's talking to God. And the daughters of the men of the city are coming to draw water. And let it be, that the girl to whom I say, pray let down your jar that I may drink, and she replies, drink, and I will give your camels to drink also. Let it be she whom I have selected, and I'm using the Amplified Bible today because it says so much, let it be her whom I have selected and appointed and indicated for your servant Isaac to be a wife to him, and by it, I shall know that you have shown kindness and faithfulness to my master. He always comes back to Abraham. Okay? Now before... Oh, folks, come with me. This is skiing down a fast slope. And you're in perfect control. Listen to this. And before he was done speaking, lo, out came Rebekah, the son of Bethuel, son of Milcah, And Nahor, Nahor, the brother of Abraham, the exact family he was sent to. And with her water jar on her shoulder. Listen to this. And the girl was very beautiful and attractive and chaste and modest and unmarried. And she went down to the well, filled her jar and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Pray, let me drink a little water from your jar. And she said, Drink, my Lord. And she quickly let her down her jar on her hand and gave him to drink. And, she, and when she had given him to drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels also. What was his prayer? What was his prayer? That she give me and she, and she feed my camels. So she quickly emptied her jar into the throat and ran again to the well and drew water for all his camels. The man stood gazing. I would say, and I would say, ah. I mean, I would be out of it. He stood gazing at her in silence, waiting to know if the Lord had made his trip prosperous. You, you know how he stood there saying, I think this is it. I, I, I think this is it. I made it. This is the way it goes. And when the camels had were done had done drinking... The man took a gold ear or nose ring of half a shekel weight for her hand, two bracelets, of ten shekels weight of gold and said, whose daughter are you, pray tell me? Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge there? And she said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, son of uh, Milka and Naur. And she she also said to him, "Uh, we have both straw and... Uh, prevent fodder, in other words, enough to room in which to lodge, the man bowed down his head and worshipped God. She must say, what's the matter with him? Pobrecito, he must be so tired. He's bowing down right in front of her, but he's not praying to her. He's worshipping God. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not left my master bereft and destitute of his loving kindness and steadfastness, I being in the way of obedience and faith. Hallelujah. He even understood his obedience and faith. And the Lord led me to the house of my master's kinmen. The girl related to her mother's household what had happened. Now, Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out to the man at the well when he saw the ear or nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and when he heard rebecca his sister saying the man said this to me he went to the man and found him standing by the camels at the well and he cried come in you blessed of the lord why do you stand outside for i have made the house ready and have prepared a place for your camels folks there was a plan i want you to know a plan of somebody that had been selected, appointed and indicated by God. And this is beautiful. I, I, you know, I want to say something today and it may sound ridiculous and it may sound completely out of order, but it's not. I want to say the following. Don't anybody sitting in this chapel today think you are in any way commonplace Think that there isn't a God that has laid a plan for your life. There isn't a God that has the best laid out. We don't sometimes realize the best in our lives because we don't give God room and plan in our lives. We have to thank God for what we have. But from here on in, I want you to think of yourself as appointed people. I want you to think of yourselves as special people. I want you to think of yourselves as people that God has a plan for. And this all happened, so the man came into the house. Uh, Laban ungirded his camels. A meal was set before them. I'll eat, and I cannot eat. I will not eat. This is interested, until I have told my errand. Uh, And Laban said, well, then speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord has blessed my master mightily. And he goes on to the description of 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 all of this. And I said to my master, but suppose the woman won't follow me. I'm down to not 39, 40. And he said, the Lord in whose presence I walk. And in this Bible, this is the, uh, what is this? The Amplified. It says, and in the presence of the Lord, in the presence, in whose presence I walk. And then in parenthesis, it says, habitually, nonstop will send his angel with you and prosper your way and you shall take a wife for my son and you shall be clear and you shall be clear from my oath. And when you come to my kindred and if they do not give her to you, then you shall be free and innocent of my oath. In other words, I'm not holding you down. I will not kill you when you arrive if you don't bring a girl for my son. I am just simply telling you, God said to me, he's going to bless you. He's going to take you. You will owe me nothing at the end of this trip. Oh, I love that. That's faith. That's faith. It's not go out there and kill and make sure you do it. No, no, no. My God says he's going to do it. Now you just go and follow. It's so beautiful. And I came to the well. Oh, Lord God of my master Abraham, you're now causing me to go on my way prosperly. See, I'm standing by the well, and then he goes on to explain all about Rebecca. And I want you to go down with me now, because we're, we're we're in verse we're in verse 50. And Laban and Bethuel answered, "The things come forth from the Lord. We cannot speak bad or good to you. In other words, if this is God, <laughs> there's nothing we can do or say. Rebecca's before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son." As the Lord has said, and when Abraham's servant heard these words, he bowed himself before the Lord. I-, I love Eliezer, don't you? The only thing he knows how to do is fall on his face. He's an expert in falling on his face. I love this. Uh, and listen to this. And the servants brought out jewels of silver and jewels of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and her mother. And they ate and they drank. And the men who were with him stayed there all night. And in the morning they arose and said, send me away to my master. I got to put this together, folks. What do we see in this lesson? Number one, obedience. Number two, no compromise. Number three, you got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. A holy plan that you commit to God. A plan that starts with prayer. A plan that goes on. And no matter how silly it may seem to the world, he says, let it be a woman that offers me drink. Let it be a woman that offers my camels drink. That's simple. That's simple. And then you find Rebecca. And with Rebecca, there's one word, surrender. She surrendered. And it's interesting. It's easy to surrender when you see a handsome man in front of you. It's easy to surrender when you know all about him and who he is. I mean, this man could be a monster hanging out in some tent back there. But she understood. You see what happens when there's a plan. The Spirit of God moves. The Spirit of God puts it together. That's why I say to you people, you think I'm crazy, but that's okay. I want to love God. I want to serve God in the romance of serving Him. I don't want to serve Him because I'm a soldier. No. I like the idea of an athlete. I like the idea of, hey, getting yourself ready for this run. That I'll accept. But basically, in my walk with God, It's got to be a romance. I've got to love him with everything I've got within me. I've got to know he's wonderful. I've got to know that he takes me in his arms and he loves me. I've got to have it. Why? Because that's the only, the only essence that God has given to us and purifies through his Son. God is love. And that's the way we've got to serve him. Now Rebecca surrenders not knowing what's going to happen. I want you to come with me to verse 63. This is getting romantic, folks. Hang on to your seats. And Isaac went out to meditate. What was he doing? This is some prayer packing family, isn't it? Everybody's praying. And Isaac went out to meditate and bowed down in prayer in the open country in the evening. And he looked up and he saw the camels were coming. And Rebecca looked up and she saw Isaac, and she dismounted off her camel. And then she said to the servant, Who's this man walking across the fields to meet us? And the servant had said, It's my master. She took up the veil and she concealed herself within it. And the servant told Isaac everything that he had done. Everything. And Isaac brought her into his mother's tent and took Rebecca and she became his wife and he loved her and thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death the camels were coming the bridegroom was coming the bride says who is it that's Isaac that's your bridegroom she dismounted and covered her face, the custom of chastity, the custom of purity, the custom of virginity and cleanliness, the custom of everything beautiful and right. And Eliezer introduced them. And he stood there, almost like the priest, and he said, "Uh, uh, Isaac, look what what happened. This is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened, and here's Rebecca." And I see Rebecca looking at Isaac and Isaac looking at Rebecca. God worked it out. Hey, folks, I close this by saying it's very romantic. And I remember this scripture as a little child because my mother's wedding picture had this scripture in Genesis and behold, the camels were coming. Hallelujah. And it was so beautiful, and I never understood it. I never understood it. I don't use the type in its fullness because Eliezer was without knowledge in terms of the final outcome. But the Holy Spirit knows the final outcome. We, the church of Jesus Christ, are his bride. And behold, folks, the camels are coming. Our day of encounter with our master is close. And we will seek him. The trumpet will shout and we'll be taken up. And that's why when you go to the book of Genesis uh, and you go back, uh, literally, you literally, you go back 4,000 years and see that God's plan hasn't changed. Isn't that marvelous? The God that helped Eliezer find a bride for Abraham's son is the god that's putting together a bride for his son and she is going to be without spot or wrinkle not because we never were stained not because we never sinned not because we're virgins in that sense but because we're washed in the blood and it makes us whiter than snow and it makes us ready to be the bride of the greatest groom that has ever walked the face of the earth the lord jesus christ folks today Behold, the camels are coming and it's our wedding that's in store. Shall we believe it? Lord Jesus, we thank you.